You'll join me for dinner. That's not a request. Gently, Master. The girl lost her father and her freedom in one day. Yes, the poor thing is probably in there, scared to death. Exactly. Just a minute. You see, there she is. Now, remember, be gentle. Kind. Mm, charming. Sweet. And when she opens the door, give her a dashing debonair smile. Come, come, show me the smile. Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And I'm Matt. Or as we like to call this show, the fight between Roger and Matt with Adam as the referee. <laughs> I want a clean fight this evening. <laughs> yeah, all so the, all of, bladed weapons and brass the, knuckles will have to come my way before you guys exchange fisticuffs. None of the pre-show stuff can go on the podcast. <laughs> oh, man. We're going to review Beauty and the Beast tonight, and there's already been a heated exchange. <laughs> So stay tuned. Over, It'll be fun. Over a kid's movie. Over a children's movie. Exactly. What's, this, what's hilarious? It is episode nine for the week of March the 16th, 2017. And uh, man, I'm just, it's always fun when we go to the movies on Thursday night. It's always fun. And tonight was uh, no difference. And uh, we'll get to all of that in just in just a little bit. But uh, uh, Adam, what's been happening, man, this week in film? What's been going on? I normally start with DC, but should I <laughs> yes. do that or just finish? You like the I, I like I like starting with the train wreck that is unfolding before us. Okay, so for DC news, I have two pieces of not good information and one piece of good information. We'll right. leave the good for the end. We'll finish on a high note. Sounds good. The Batman, from all reports, is going to a page one rewrite. That means they're throwing out everything and starting over. That's generally a good sign, right? It means, I mean, it means what they had didn't work and wasn't able to be molded into something functional. Yeah, I know. I was being sarcastic. And news broke this week that Ben Affleck just finished rehab, which might give us some more background info on maybe why he dropped out of directing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I when when I saw this in the show notes, Adam, I began to kind of do some research on the DCEU, the extended universe, and you know. Man, they've got a bunch of movies on the slate. I mean, I, we're talking like, I just started making a list. We got Wonder Woman, Justice League, Aquaman, Shazam and Black Adam, Cyborg, Green Lantern Corps. These are all, all have hard dates that have been announced. They're going to have to be flexible in those now, dates. They're going to have to, but I mean, those have hard dates that, that, that they've said they're coming out then. Then you have The Flash, which has been pushed. Back. Flash and Cyborg have been combined. Okay. Now. Yeah, they're one movie now. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then uh, the Batman, who they, who knows when the release date is going to be on it. But then you've got like Suicide Squad 2, uh, Gotham City Sirens. And here's an interesting thing is Gotham City Sirens is being directed by David Ayers, the director of Suicide Squad. So he's right. not even doing the own sequel to Suicide Squad 2. He's jumping to Gotham City Sirens, which is a female version of Suicide Squad. Sure. you know. And then there's Man of Steel 2 that's out there somewhere. And then one that I stumbled upon... 
that I really got intrigued about, Dark Universe. Now, I didn't know anything. I know all you comic book guys are going to just laugh at me. But, like, Dark Universe is, like, kind of like a exactly what it sounds like. It's like a kind of a flipped upside down bizarro world kind of a things have gone really bad. And it was, it's based upon a uh, – the source material is a movie that is an animated series that came out, Justice League animated series. Justice League Dark. Yeah, Justice League Dark that came out earlier this year. And I watched – they had a free six-minute opening to that. And that was pretty darn good, I'm telling you. So I, I kind of got excited about maybe this this dark universe thing here. So and that, it has John Constantine in it. It has Constantine and Swamp Thing and yeah, a number of others. And we all want Guillermo del Toro to direct this movie. Yes. He's the natural fit, I would He'd think. be such a good fit. But the problem is he walked off The Hobbit when he just got frustrated with the studio process. So I don't know that he's welcome back. Oh yeah. boy! And that was Warner Brothers New Line. Yeah, this is still Warner Brothers DC. But now with all of these movies, we're talking like I don't know a dozen, fifteen movies here on the slate. With all of these movies, could this? Yes, they've had a stumble or two, and that's putting it very congenially. But could this Marvel's? Where's Marvel going? It's winding down. You know, there's been no new announcements. Right. No? There's gonna be. They're getting ready to announce right. Phase Four. But, but tell me this. Here, here's the ultimate question. Right. Of those movies you listed, based off of past performance, how many are you like, man? I can't wait to see that movie. Well, it's interesting. Dark Universe is the only one that jumped out to me. Like, <laughs> oh no, I'd like to see that. You know. Right. Which has and the Wonder, Wonder Woman, that can't Wonder stay on Woman. TV. I will say this: Wonder Woman was the best thing. Don't blow my last story. Oh, okay, I, I won't. But it, she was the best thing in the in the Batman versus Superman movie, in my opinion. Yes. So I'm kind of excited to see her movie coming out this year. So, but I, you know, could it just be that Mar? So you think you really think Marvel's going to announce a whole another big slate like they did they before? Are. Really? Not that far out, but most of four and five for the phases, we'll probably find out. Wow. Okay. Because James Gunn said he only had a couple weeks now to decide if he's going to direct Guardians 3. So they're getting ready to slate everything up. All right. (laughs) So another DC news, Suicide Squad 2 has a writer, and this is probably an important tip-off for us. It's not Mel Gibson. If Mel Gibson was going to direct the movie, he would either probably use a writer that he's worked with before or maybe even do a pass on it himself. So the writer they got has written the new Tarzan movie and Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit. Um, Neither of those were very good. Yeah, it doesn't light my world on fire, to be honest with you. And Suicide Squad 2 is in a funny place. I mean, people kind of like the movie, but there's no fans that I can tell for Suicide Squad yet in the movies. Well, you know, it's funny. When you mentioned Mel Gibson might actually direct the next Suicide Squad, I was really taken back by that. But then I got to thinking, you know, there's somebody that would buck the system and just do their own thing. And and that's what I want for Suicide and, Squad. And it love, should feel rebellious. And loves that rebellious and glorious, brutal violence and, you know... I started to get kind of excited about what his movie might be, you know. But it sounds like he might be. We don't. We just don't know. We don't know a director yet. I want. I just want an exciting pick for this movie. I want someone that's going to buck the system and and do something different with Suicide Squad. Yeah. That's the franchise to really play around in. Yep, I agree absolutely. And now for the good news for DC, 
As you may have seen, the new Wonder Woman trailer is out. It dropped last Saturday, and it is good. I think this is the best trailer the DC Universe has had yet. Uh, yeah, I, I think it is. I, I'd seen it, saw it tonight on the big screen, and I thought it was really good. Yep, I, I have high hopes. I really do. Now, I got excited about the Suicide Squad trailer, as we all did, and it didn't really pay off that much, but... This, but we've seen enough of these trailers to you see, are they framing a really good story arc here coming together? I mean, it's an origin story. If you've seen the trailer, my concern with any origin story like this is how much of the film is going to be dedicated to origin story. How much is going, I mean, it's all origin story in compared to modern times, right? But how much is going to be her training versus her actually doing and, uh, that's always a tough balance to get right. I'm okay with an origin story in this one because this isn't Spider-Man. Yeah. In Spider-Man, we've seen... I, I, I don't know the one. I mean, I know the Wonder Woman origin story, but I don't know know the story in detail, you know? Yeah. No, I am I wouldn't mind if it's all origin story. You know, I mean, you know, give, give me a little something for heroic for her to do at the last minute at the end is fine. I want to know. I want to dig down into this world. I want to... I want to... You know, I just, ah, I loved all the, the buildings and the, 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 I mean, how we, we, I'm I'm worried about spoilers. I can talk about the trailer. Okay. I mean, seeing the sword hanging there, you know, and her golden lasso. Yeah. And her mom saying, you know, uh, she'll never know who she really is or how much. And then when she blocks that sword, whoo, man, I was like, yes. Well, Wonder Woman in the DC universe is pretty powerful oh yeah no yeah. it's it's like it like in it like her and superman lead the yeah. the justice league they are the two most powerful oh yeah yeah and and she sold me the one line when 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 they were in batman versus superman and her she said that line i've killed gods before i've killed i've killed stuff like this before i was like when she said that line and then she got knocked back and smiled i was like Oh yeah, you know that that was the only that was like the good part of that that yes that movie yes <laughs> yeah. So on the Marvel side of things, we have James Gunn. He officially announced there's going to be a Guardians three. If anyone had any doubt, but the interesting thing is he says he only has a couple of weeks right now. He's still in post production on part two, but he has to decide right now if he's going to direct three. I don't think he's going to give it up. I wouldn't give up that money. Well, not the money. He loves the characters. Yeah, I mean, I got that, but there's also money. He's on set, even over at Avengers Infinity War, helping direct the Guardians and giving his input and everything else. I mean, that's the first time anyone has all ever directed those characters but him. Wow. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't... Without seeing number two, you know, it's hard to make a judgment whether... He's, you know, maybe he needs a break and wants a clean, you know, he's lived in that. When you live in a world for so long, sometimes you just need to walk away and let a fr- let another view. But you almost kind of want to see this thing through to the end of the trilogy. Well, that's what Chris Nolan did with Batman. It was nice to have a trilogy. Yeah. So. And then some bad news for Marvel. We have a girlfriend problem in Thor 3. <laughs> this was a bad bit of PR for Marvel. Natalie Portman is not in Thor 3. We've not seen her since the sequel. She's always just been cast to the side. We have no idea about the status of her relationship with Thor. And why is that? The Marvel movies have not handled the girlfriends well, but the problem is I don't know where they fit it in their script well, I, I, and time. I, see, I, I don't know. 
I don't. She has no place in an Avengers movie. I get that, but I liked her character in the first Thor movie. I and li- in the second, she's even more involved. Yeah, in the second, you know, and, and I liked their interaction, and I liked you know, I, I how can you have a Thor three without her? I, so they're saying they've broken up. They're going to reveal that in the movie. And here's where Marvel got into some hot water. They they handled this so poorly today. And I don't want to put anyone's name out there. I'm not sure who said it. It was a higher up at Marvel, maybe a producer. He said that there's a new love interest in the movie. It's going to tank. Thor 3 will tank without Natalie Portman. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> it's not going to tank. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> telling you. Bold I'm bold. telling you right now. Just don't, mark. Don't put any just, money on that, Roger. Just mark it down to March 16th, 2017. Thor 3 is going to... Uh, I know we're in the March Madness, <laughs> but don't let the madness fully consume you. Okay. Oh. So here's the bad quote from Marvel, though. As I said, there's a new love interest in the movie. She's a warrior and more Thor's equal. And that just ruffled everybody's feathers for them not considering Natalie Portman to be some kind of equal to Thor. Or that she's beneath him somehow. So, the foot in mouth for Marvel. Yeah. The Matrix may be rebooted. That set the internet on fire this week. Shut your mouth. And the Wachowskis are not involved at this step. Shut your mouth. I I guess, I mean, I know Hollywood is now getting on this big kick where we don't, big Hollywood at least, doesn't want to do anything original. Let's remake a bunch of stuff, make bunches of money. But The Matrix is one of those movies now we're remaking movies that are in my lifetime that I saw, I remember seeing. And that, one, makes me feel old. And two, takes away some of the joy of that first movie. I and mean, I don't like remakes anyway. So. It may not even be a remake. It's in the, we don't know what it is. It's in the Matrix universe. Maybe a reboot, different characters. I mean, I, 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 I was under the impression that that was all taken care of. But that was just me. And even if they did just other agents hacking in, there's still only one chosen one. I don't know if they can mess with that story. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, what we could do like, you know, because they hinted that there was others that came along that didn't quite live up to the billing. Are they going to follow a failed chosen one? Yeah, wouldn't be very exciting. No, it would not. Yeah, but it may not give us Matrix Three though. Well, well, they may be trying to atone for Matrix 2 and 3. Yeah, but I'd still like to see the Wachowskis involved in some format. It's their baby. Yeah. And it just feels wrong to kind of have a Matrix without them tagging along or having any input. I don't know about that. <laughs> I'm not trying to be contrary. but Well, no, um, I mean, I didn't like 2 or 3, but let's look at their work after that. I like Speed Racer. I like Cloud Atlas. I liked V for Vendetta, even though they just produced it and maybe directed it. Yeah. I did not like Jupiter Ascending. That's I, their only I, I real did. miss. That's kind of what I'm... That's still fresh in my mind. That's why I'm thinking... The Jupiter Ascending. Yeah. Did yeah, you I see didn't. Cloud Atlas? I did. Okay. Yeah. I thought it was pretty good. Um, I, I don't... Yeah. I don't know. I just... I would like to see a good second and third movie. I love the first one. I love the original Matrix. It's like in my... like hall of fame of great movies you know i just loved it and um uh, i love the visual aspect i love the story but you know i got to thinking today about reboots and i thought it's awful early to reboot this movie then i started thinking about movies that have been rebooted right well spider-man 
Well, think about this. Kong was last done in 2005, and it's just been rebooted. Dread was done in 95, and it got rebooted. Ghostbusters is 84, and it's been rebooted. These are all movies that are in my wheelhouse. How about this? Tron is getting rebooted. Like, that wasn't even that long yeah. ago. Hold on, like a full-on... Oh, yeah. Well, the original Tron was a while ago. No, no. Tron Legacy. Hold on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. So we're rebooting Tron Legacy? Yeah. Not the original Tron. We're not going to continue that story. It's going to be another Tron movie, and it may reboot the whole thing. Wow. All right. So I don't know. I mean... Because Tron holds a special place in my heart, the original. Yeah, me too. Absolutely. But, you know, there is precedent for quick turnaround reboots. I mean, with some of the movies I've mentioned, within 15, 20 years. Right, but, like, Kong is one of those movies that that's just... But it's been redone. It's been redone a number of times. What is it? 33, 76, 05, whatever. And then there's been other ones that are kind of like Mighty Joe, whatever. I mean, look at Spider-Man. Rebooted the first time after three movies with Tobey Maguire. Then rebooted after two with Andrew Garfield. Now we're on Tom Holland. Yeah, but that's just someone. That's just a studio not wanting to lose rights. Yeah. Not a. I don't know. I mean, they're hitting the reset button multiple times on that just to keep rights. And it showed. Yeah, it did. And we'll close out on some trailer reactions. There were a couple new trailers this week. We already talked about Wonder Woman. We saw Pixar's new trailer for Coco. This is our first look at their November movie for this year. What did you guys think of it? Um, I was intrigued. Um is John Lasseter, is this his story, his baby? Do you know we know who's doing this? Because that makes a difference to me. If it's him, then I'm really intrigued because the man is an incredible storyteller and always knows how to tug on my heartstrings. Um, if he's not involved with it, then I don't know. You know, it kind of had that Kubo and the two strings feel to it as well, to me, a little bit. See, see, I, I didn't, I mean, I have a, I have a small child, so I'm always paying attention to, you know, movies geared towards younger audiences. And this, I, I even play music. I even play guitar, and there's a right. guitar featured in this. And literally, my only reaction after seeing it was, "Huh, he just became a grave robber." And that was about like it didn't really do. Well, and much it was kind of it had a little bit of a weird twist at the end, like he. I mean, we're talking about the trailer, so I can... Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, you guys, I'm always worried about the look of death because <laughs> no, I might no. spoil something. Just the Thursday night movies, we can't... <laughs> but like... Except for this what, week. Wasn't he like a... He like turned into a ghost and... He's going to the land of the dead. He's going to the oh, land of the okay. dead. The Mexican land of the yeah. dead. Oh, okay. Because okay. it was Day of the Dead. It looked yeah. like it was yep. taking place on the That's Day of the right. Dead when the okay. families go to the grave, set out food, do all their things, remember their loved ones. That's right. And instead of him giving to the dead, he decided to steal a guitar from a mausoleum. Right, but that's Pixar, so there's going to be a price to pay. There'll be a lesson in it. Yeah, yeah no, no, there, there likely will. Yeah, and he definitely worshipped that guy and his music and, you know, I, I, it's going to be interesting. The trailer doesn't really give you a good idea of the story yet. It's just a mood, yeah. a mood piece. It's more like, more like just a small teaser. Yeah, a teaser. Yeah, yeah. But that movie Book of Life came out a couple of years ago, directed by Guillermo del Toro. Well, not directed, but produced and right. inspired. That was an animated Day of the Dead movie. So, yeah, that wasn't very good. 
I saw that. I, I haven't seen it, so. Yeah, I wasn't really impressed no, with Book of Life. It, no, I've seen it, and no. Not so hot. My exciting trailer of the week has been Baby Driver, the new film from Edgar Wright. And it just premiered to pretty much universal praise from South by Southwest. The audience got to see it there early. We don't get to see it till August. It's another mashup piece by Edgar, and it's a musical combined with a car chase bank heist movie. I saw the trailer right before we went on, and my initial reaction was, huh. And I know that that's not even what I thought going in, because I'm like Edgar Wright, car chase movie, and um, it, you know, from his last series of movies, I have this impression of an Edgar Wright film. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's um, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and was it End of the End of the, the World's World? End? The, the World's End. end. Yeah. I always got two words. Scott Pilgrim's around. outside of the yeah outside Cornetto of that. trilogy. Yeah. And I saw it, was expecting one thing, got something different. I think if you hadn't told me it was Edgar Wright, I would have looked at the trailer and appreciated it more. But I went into the trailer expecting certain things. And so that that was my reaction, yeah. yeah. And I know and I know I don't want to put Edgar Wright in a box and say this is the only kind of film you can do. I trust him. I I will watch the movie. I'm sure I will enjoy it because it's Edgar Wright doing it. It's definitely the most different thing he's done visually and, and just kind of the mechanics in the trailer we're seeing. And this is him growing. Everyone said this is a growth for him because, you know, Wes Anderson movies are all the same. And I love Wes Anderson movies. But the second you see a trailer for a Wes Anderson movie, you know what it is. Same thing with Terrence Malick. Yes. Those guys don't <laughs> yeah. They don't go beyond their comfort zone. I, I say go for it. Yeah. You know, I mean... I, I've never seen an Edgar Wright uh, movie, but I will say it was a weird, kind of surreal thing. I was listening to an older Leonard Malton podcast from his his film podcast he does every week, and he has a an actor, director, writer, musician, somebody on every week as a guest, and he just they just talk about movies. And he had Edgar Wright on, and they were talking, and I was like, Edgar Wright is like my lost soulmate. The guy is just a movie fanatic. I mean, like, you know, and he talked he talked about having blind spots and, you know, he had not seen Gone with the Wind, Ben-Hur, and there was three classics he had not seen, and he was always afraid to tell everybody. And then they were playing at a local uh, festival in town where he lives, you know, over the weekend. He got to go see them all, you know, and, and he was like this childlike, oh, and Ben-Hur, I always thought it was this. I didn't know it was actually a revenge film, and it was so good, and, you know, and I thought... This is a guy that loves movies. He you know? and Quentin Tarantino are the two biggest film buffs, I would say, that are working as directors. They, yeah. they love movies. Leonard Malton, I mean, Leonard Malton's seen a few movies, okay? And he came out and said, I wouldn't even touch Edgar Wright and his film knowledge of movies that this guy's seen. You know, he, he just consumes it like crazy, you know? So I, that got me on this search. <laughs> I sent Adam a text like, hey, do you know any good Edgar Wright movies? That can- All of them. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> In TV. And I'm making Roger watch Hut Fuzz first. I'm starting with my favorite movie <laughs> from Edgar Wright. There you go. So, yeah. Oh, no. but it's my week to give him film, though. Yeah, but he's going to watch Hut Fuzz on his own. <laughs> so, I'm excited about the trailer. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked. So, for those of you who haven't seen the trailer, it's, it's going to be a matchup. It's car chases set to a musical beat. The main character is a young driver named <laughs> Baby. And he was in an accident as a child and has bad tinnitus in his ears. He hears a really bad ringing. So to drown it out, he's constantly listening to his iPod. He has an old click wheel iPod. The whole movie, there's a soundtrack playing. I don't think it ever stops from what I read. 
So the movie's just set to the soundtrack of music he's constantly I'm listening so to. I'm so stoked about that idea. <laughs> and Edgar came up with the idea for this movie when he was 19. He's been sitting on it for that long. Wow. No, I'm excited to see it. So, <clears throat> But like I said, hearing Edgar Wright film, watching the trailer, I was like, that doesn't look like a, any Edgar Wright film I've seen. No, no, it doesn't. Yep. Okay, that's all the news I got from my desk. All right, we'll be right back after the music. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. Welcome back to the Film Coterie Podcast. Uh, it's Thursday, so that means we went and saw a movie. Well, a new release movie, I should say. This isn't necessarily a new movie, but we went and saw Beauty and the Beast this evening. I will reserve my comments for a while and um, start. I know Roger's opinion of it. Adam, what do you think of the movie? I liked it. I was neutral on this movie. The trailers didn't do much for me. I mean, it looked like Beauty and the Beast. Um, I like the animated movie, but again, I don't hold it up as a, a one of my favorite films. It's just not. It's good. I mean, it right. is a good animated movie, but I've always been kind of neutral to the story. Bringing it to life, I mean, I didn't know how it would work in live action, and I think they did a really good job translating it from yeah. celluloid so, and animation to... So, so just in case, Adam, somebody in our listening audience don't have a clue, I don't know how they wouldn't, about what we're talking about, give them a little backstory. That Disney has decided to take uh, many of their best well-known animated features and turn them into live action. They started with Jungle Book last year. Right. And now we have Beauty and the Beast, which is, this version is directed by Bill Condon. And there's more in the pipe. There's Aladdin and Mulan and yeah. Lion King. They've been John Favreau's directing Lion King. That just blows me out of the water how they're going to do Lion King. Like Jungle Book. Well, yeah, I guess Talking so. Talking animals and yeah. everything else, kind of yeah. photorealistic. Yeah. More tears will be shed in Lion King than probably any of these other Disney movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Lion King wrecked me as a child. Yeah, it's my second favorite, Disney. I love the Lion King. So, this movie brings everything from the cartoon. We got <coughs> Belle. We got Gaston. We have the cast of animated furniture who have some interesting visual design. They didn't make them look like the cartoon. That kind of surprised me. I was expecting more faithful adaptation of how the animated furniture looked in the cartoon, but the visual design worked, I thought, for all the... Yeah. No, because they wardrobe. made it look real. Yeah. I mean, they were going for that live action. Here's actually like a wardrobe that talks and moves. And I, I thought it was visually, I think it just worked. I thought it was really good visually. Yeah, the production design's great. Because unlike Jungle Book, which was mostly CG, this was a nice mix. They had really great sets for the castle and the village. A lot of real stuff in there. And then tons of CG, of course, too. But the nice mix. It worked all great together. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think, Roger? <laughs> well, I liked it, of course. I, I uh, um, 
Beauty and the Beast is my favorite animated film, and so it's, you know, um, I had some trepidation going in to see this because I thought, oh, what if they just screw it up and it's terrible, you know? Then I'd been really mad and would have ranted for 20 minutes on the podcast today, but I think they got the look and feel right. I mean, it felt like Beauty and the Beast, it, it, but the thing that impressed me the most about it, I mean, all the performances were, I would say, steady. You know, I think Emma Watson was steady. She wasn't stellar. Uh, Dan Stevens was steady, who plays the Beast. He wasn't stellar, you know. They were all steady. There were a couple standout performances, and I'll talk about those in maybe just a second. But I like how they took this movie and made it a like an actual real movie. It wasn't an animated feature. In other words, like one of the things one of the things I said in the podcast when we did our decade do-over, I rewatched Beauty and the Beast. And I said it was amazing how much they stereotyped and they kind of dumbed it down and they made all the girls in the village really over caricatures of, you know, certain features and stuff and how they made Gaston a, a buffoon and a, a caricature of himself and, you know, and they they carry that in, but it's like they added, like, they, you have to tell... It's not a cartoon. You have to tell some story. There has to be dialogue between people and stuff. And so I thought they did a great job of adding some backstory and shifting the movie. I thought the the biggest standout to me was Kevin Klein as Maurice. I thought he was amazing. And I thought he brought a presence and a real... Because in the cartoon, the, the dad is a buffoon. Yeah, and they expanded his role too. Right, he plays a bigger part in yeah, the story. Yeah, and, and he's he's just a buffoon. You don't know anything about the mom, where she is, what's going on. You know nothing, and it's just Disney does that all the time. They just drop you in this world and say this is what's going on. Well, they expanded his story, and man, heartstrings a couple times, you know. And I just thought he was great. I thought he was outstanding. Um, if I could just mention some of the cast real quick. Um, even though he played it as a caricature, even McGregor was, McGregor was hilarious to me as Lumiere. The worst French accent. I don't know if he... <laughs> he took the stereotypical he, accent oh to a 12. Oh, my gosh. He did. And and even even the way they animated the candlestick, I thought he stole the show for the, all of the animated furniture by far for me. I thought I didn't know that was Ewan McGregor until he appeared. I didn't either. As I, a live action actor, and, at the and end. then it made like sense. Yeah, I was like, did I. I was like, okay, cool. So I thought, you know, I thought um, Kevin Klein was outstanding. I thought Ewan McGregor was great. Um, Emma Thompson as Mrs. Potts was serviceable, solid, you know, solid performance. Um, and Luke Evans, I was good as Gaston. I thought he was okay. I'm actually going to give my highest praise to Luke Evans in this I, movie because I like him, but they always make him play such vanilla characters. Like he was so vanilla in the Hobbit as Bard, the Bowman as Bard. Yeah. No range, nothing dynamic to the character. Dracula unleashed. He was bad. Not bad in that. They just don't let him do anything interesting with the characters, yeah. but I like him in this and I like him in high rise. He, I like this Gaston better than the cartoon I, Gaston. I, I was going to say the exact same thing. I like this Gaston better. And it's like they didn't have to. The two things they did with with the Bell character and Gaston specifically was the Bell character and the animated feature, they she's always telling you she's independent, she's smart, she doesn't she stands on her own. It's like they're they're giving you commentary about who she is. 
they don't do that as much with Emma Watson. She she just her presence. She just does that, you know. She, and they build some stuff to show that. Right, right, exactly. Um, and the same thing with Gaston. They make him out to a super buffoon caricature, and he's definitely got some range here. I mean, he's you know out there, you know. And I I, I just but it's not like overtly. I don't know. It's not as caricature as it was in the Disney animated. I'll just say that. Um, and I really liked this. So, I, yeah, thumbs up for him, too. Um, and, but Emma Watson and Dan Stevens, a couple times I thought, oh, Emma Watson's going to bomb. She can't pull this off, you know? But I thought she steadied the, steadied the ship. Now, I, I'm assuming they all sung their own songs. I'm just assuming that. Do we know? I don't know. I think so. I, I, I'm kind of thinking I read that somewhere. I'll maybe do a fact check on that or something. So if they did, if they all sang their own music, then I w- I'm a little more impressed, you know. Well, the Beast, I mean, the Beast song, when he sings, there's obviously some modulation yeah, yeah. on his voice. Yeah, absolutely. So if it's the actor, I wouldn't be surprised there. But as far as Emma Watson singing, I don't know if, I mean, it sounded like her. Yeah, I'm assuming I, yeah. it was. And if it was, I think both of those performances were solid. Uh, there were four new songs, four original songs written for this, and none of them were really that wow, that awe-inspiring, to be honest with you. I, I, I Even even the Beast song, I kept wanting to like that song, but it just didn't have the, the pull. When they went into that first Be Our Guest, the biggest smile on my face, when he started that Be Our you know, Guest, I just... It just took me right back to 90, 91 when the movie came out, and I just loved, just loved that song, and I loved the the, the title song. I teared up. I mean, I can't help it. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I just, it just tears me up when they when they start real slow with that song or go into it, and uh, so big thumbs up for me. I know that, I know that there are people who. You know, uh, there are people who love it, people who don't like it, and it's that's cool. I know Matt's, Matt was a lot cooler on the movie than I was, but we went with a group of four, and we were split. You know, two of them liked yeah. it, two, two of them didn't. So Yeah, Roger and I are both more positive on it. Yep. The new songs didn't work. No. And even the scenes that kind of contained them, you were just kind of ready for those to be over and move on. They were yeah. just like throw-in scenes. And the music was just not very memorable. Yeah, I, I would I would agree there, absolutely. Um yeah, so I, you know, that's kind of my thoughts. I really enjoyed it. I can't wait to take uh, uh, the kids to go see it. You know, uh, on two, we'll go probably Tuesday night and go see it. And uh, yeah, I liked it. So well, let's talk about even age for kids to see this movie, because intensity wise, if you've seen the animated movie, there's nothing in here that's any more intense than that. There's an attack by wolves twice that are in the cartoon. And I would and then say, there's the I final say, battle at the I end. I would say the wolf attack is more vicious in the cartoon than it is in the live action. Okay. Because you see them, the wolves, when they bite, tearing and pulling and stuff. And I, to me, and like, I just thought that, um, the, I thought the, excuse me, the animated, did I say animated or live action? You, you're saying it's more intense than the animated, yes. right? Yes. Okay. I think the animated wolf attack scene where he saves Bill was more intense than it was here. And I thought, to be honest with you, when the way the beast first appears in the animated, maybe it's the sound design, how they do it. I thought that was more intense when the beast first shows up. And the way, I mean, Robbie Benson, I mean, come on. I mean, that voice anyway, just is, 
is a powerful voice to begin with. I thought that was a little bit more intense. And then at the end of the movie, when the villagers, and we're not going to worry about spoilers for Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, you, if you've seen the animated movie, this is the same thing. It's the exact same movie. At you've, the end, you've had a number of years to see it. Yes. Yeah. At the end, when the villagers attack with their torches and Gaston fights the beast, that's the same exact intensity same. level yep. as the cartoon. Yeah. And the the fight with the villagers is funny with the furniture. That's yeah. all played for I, comic relief. And I thought that w- kind of worked for me, too. I thought that was pretty, pr- brought some levity to what was going up upstairs, which was not so levity, you know. So. And do you think the Beast appeared any scarier in the movie than he would in animated form? I think they did a good job with his design. I think less. I'm yeah. going to be honest with you. I think less terrifying uh, than he was in the animated, to be honest. That's just my opinion, you know. Because he had softer features in his face than he did. The way they drew him, it was almost like they drew him as a little bit demonic type beast at time when he first, you know, with the eyes and stuff. And this was a little softer, I thought, you know, so. Yeah. Why is everyone looking at me? Because we're, <laughs> we're waiting for your opinion. No one has asked for my opinion. So, Matt, what did you think of Beauty and the Beast? Well... Um, here's the issue. Beauty and the Beast in whatever format is probably one of my least favorite Walt Disney films of all time. So therein is the problem. Um, I don't like the story. And this is why we got in a big heated argument. You're asking about age and violence. Like I wouldn't show this to a kid. Like I just, I think the story is such, I wouldn't show it to a kid because I, I think they're, there may be overreaching themes, but when you look at it, it's a girl who is abused and then falls in love with her abuser. And that to me is horrific. Now, does the bell character have a lot of great things and does Disney do a lot of good things with her character? Yeah. She's not a damsel in distress that needs saving. She likes reading. She's her own person and that's great. And then and then you go along with the rest of it and it just doesn't do it to me. Like if I had a, a daughter, I I would not want her to see this film because I think if that was my daughter was Belle and she got in a relationship with someone that started the relationship abusing her, there's I no way. No, no. Sure. So, um, I mean, technically the movie's great sound, but I just, I detest beauty and the beast well just for the parents listening again they're trying to judge it for whether or not it's for their family i mean you're saying the beast abuses bell and i don't want to get into the technical side of that but he doesn't strike her in this movie there's no no, no. there's no violence i'd say it's even less than the cartoon it's less right between beast and bell and it yeah. probably is he locks her up but again that's i mean i know there's abuse in the movie i'm not debating that but i don't think it, right. it it's physical or well, any kind of no, assault i mean or here's the, the deal movie. if if you saw the original Beauty and the Beast and didn't have a problem with it, you're not going to have a problem with this one. If you Are saw, you ta- you're talking about the Disney version, right? Not the original Beauty and I'm the Beast. I'm saying the original 1991 okay. animated feature from Disney. If okay. you saw that and didn't have a problem, there's a with French it, Beauty and the Beast that's really good too, as well. But it was I, done in the 40s. I'm sorry. If you sorry. have seen the 1991 Beauty and the well, Beast, well, you said the original and not. If and, you then have, and then there's the 1920s silent version of this. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Matt. Don't let your kids see it. Absolutely take your children to see this movie. Uh, you know, I thought about, I thought about what Matt and uh, our friend said 
on the right over here, you know, about their issues with the film. And so I asked myself, why do I connect with this story? And there's just something about this story for some reason that there is something, there is something inside of Belle that she has that changes her environment around her. The way she looks at the world, the way she interacts with the world, the way even when she's put into a bad situation, she, she just looks at the world a certain way, and it's that energy, that vibe, that spirit, whatever you want to call it, that, that takes and transforms the beast. I do not think, I, I would never, I agree with Matt 100%, I would never tell my daughter that you can change somebody by you know treating them nice you know what i'm saying I, if some I, I would not send that message but and i see I, I understand how people see that message in this movie it just doesn't it just doesn't resonate that way with me uh, i love the music I, I love um the story i love the the i loved the animation i liked the live version form of it um i just love the story the transforming I just love Belle. I love her transforming power. She's not the typical. She's not the starlet. She's not the Barbie doll. She's not the the blonde hair, blue eyed, or pretty. Per, you know, she's she's just who she is. There's an inner beauty to her that really resonates with me, I guess. And she impacts the people around her in a real positive way. So, yeah, I, I guess we just agree to disagree, right? <laughs> Let's talk crowd size. This is the biggest crowd I've seen at a Thursday night movie yeah. since Star Wars. Rogue One. Uh, it was big. I mean, it was real big. We saw the third showing this evening. We saw the 730. There was a six and a seven before that in our theater. Aside from the front, front was pretty much yeah. packed in the big theater. I mean, that was the biggest screen they had. And we're packed in there like sardines. Yeah. It's going to have a monster weekend. Yeah, what are they saying? Probably 180 million or. Plus? I mean, that's high, but that's Disney's saying 110. They're playing it conservative. Okay. Other studios are saying no. It could be closer to 180. Yeah. Well, and I never thought about it. We were the third option for the evening, and how full it was. I can't imagine what the 3D and the ultra screen or the other. Yeah, we didn't see it in 3D. Yeah. It probably looks pretty good in 3D, honestly. With the I'll effects. probably see it in 3D on Tuesday when I take the kids. Yeah. Just to compare the two. Yeah. So, anyway, well, that's all I really, I mean, I'm sure I have other things I could say about the story, but I think it's good. Yeah, I mean, you've seen the cartoon. They do an admirable job bringing it to the screen as a live action movie. Um, I was kind of neutral on it, and I liked it. I mean, so I walked out of there with a positive impression of the movie. And I can respect anyone who has a differing opinion than mine. Not really, but I do. (laughs) So, anything more to say? Time for the vote. All right. So as our TFC recommends page, this is the question is, would you recommend this movie, you know, with no reservation to a stranger? They ask, is this a good movie? You say yes or no. My vote on Beauty and the Beast is yes. Yeah. My vote is yes. And my vote is no. So it does not pass. It will not be added to our TFC recommends page. All righty.
All right. As you may have heard last week, we are participating in the March Movie Madness from Film Spotting. This is a bracket of the greatest pantheon of movies ever. 64 titles, and each round, the audience is voting on what movie they think is better. And the better movie proceeds. So now we are have finished two full rounds. And Roger is leading the pack, just like the Oscar challenge. Just barely, though. The big question is, are you voting online to influence your bracket? Yes. I am. I am not. I want mine to be legit. I vote one time. I vote once as well. I vote not at all. Well, that's your problem. (laughs) It obviously is. So, we had a few upsets. In the first round, we all missed this one. Annie Hall defeated the wizard of oz but is it an upset or is it just an upset in our minds it must just be in our minds i don't know how annie hall beats wizard of oz annie hall beat star wars for an academy award too i don't care wizard of oz is that's i don't know to me it's that's an outstanding movie and it has a place in history yes right i mean I don't know. I don't, but whatever. Uh, yeah, you're preaching to the choir. I took Wizard of Oz so deep so far as to win it all. I had him in my final. So yeah. <laughs> that one crippled me. Uh, some other surprises. Um, in the previous round, uh, The Shining went up against Eternal Sunshine, and Eternal Sunshine won. Over Shining. The Shining. The yes. Shining. I like Eternal Sunshine. I do not think it is superior to The Shining. How how many iconic shots from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind do we have that are that are etched into pop culture history? I can't think of one, but I know a face through a door that just got <laughs> busted on. through with an axe. You know, I can I see anyone would see that almost anyone would see that and go, oh, that's from The Shining. But no, no. It's it's riding the pine now. Watching from the stands. Yes, it is. So, for going into our third round here, maybe we can discuss a few of our picks. Yeah. Um, we agree on the top part of our bracket. For Godfather versus Alien, I think all of us took Godfather. Yep. And that was tough for me, but Godfather is the better film. Yeah, I took Godfather over Alien. And then Taxi Driver versus Casablanca, I believe all of us took Casablanca. Yes. Yes, I did too. Here was a surprising one, and I'm not sure. I think Matt went differently on the Citizen Kane versus Raiders. I think Roger and I took Raiders, and Matt took Citizen Kane. I took Citizen Kane. Yeah, and that's not a bad pick. This is this is a really tough category. I, I mean, does Ray? Do I enjoy? Like, okay, if I was sitting around on a Saturday afternoon yeah. and had my choice of watching Citizen Kane or Raiders of the Lost Ark, I'm going to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. <coughs> but Citizen Kane is a better film. <laughs> Yep, no, I agree. No, I made my picks on what I thought people were going to vote. That's what I did, too. So I took Raiders. I thought it would get the popular vote over a movie, yeah. which I think is superior, which is Citizen Kane. Yeah. Well, uh, we know I don't vote like that. No. I just vote this is a better movie. 2001 versus Back to the Future. Hold on. Is that what's... Do I... 
Did you take? Well, dog- I, did, I didn't even have Back to the Future coming out. I missed. That I, one. I took Back to the Future. Oh, you you bet Raging Bull the last round. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, had, I but took- I have two thousand and one winning coming out of this. So right. okay, yeah, that, and I took Back to the Future as a popular popular vote. I think 2001 is a better movie by far. Yes. <laughs> you know? Now, here's a Titan matchup. Godfather 2 versus Star Wars. Uh, I took Star Wars because... I think we all took Star Wars. I like Star Wars. No. I, I took Godfather 2 and it crushed my soul to do it. I, see, I just couldn't. Uh, that was a personal one. And yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm not, I don't really know the film spotting audience. I mean, I... I mean, I bet Star Wars. Well, I they picked to- Annie Hall over Wizard of Oz in the first round. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what you need to know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> They must not like horror because they didn't advance Evil Dead or The Shining. Which well, what was my what heart. was Evil Dead up against? Apocalypse Now. Uh, mm. Apocalypse Now is. I mean, Evil Dead is a good movie. Don't get me wrong, but Apocalypse Now is. I don't disagree, and that's like the one yeah. time I went with my heart. I picked Evil Dead. And then Goodfellas. No, yeah, was it Goodfellas versus Pulp Fiction? Yep. What now? Would you- the thing with Goodfellas, from the previous round, it was Goodfellas versus Reservoir Dogs. So you have Quentin Tarantino really close in the bracket. Yes. If, and Reservoir Dogs failed against Goodfellas, but if it had won, it would have been Reservoir Dogs versus Pulp Fiction. But I went Pulp Fiction in this matchup. I went Goodfellas. I guess Roger's a mystery pick here. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm looking. At, I'm not looking at the actual poll to check out percentages to see how bad the other one beat the oh, other one. Can you see percentages? Yes. So, so what 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 matchup was you, what was we talking about? Uh, first round, Annie Hall versus Wizard of Oz. Yeah, let me. Find, is that that's at the bottom, right? Yeah, it's the bottom. It's like third up from it the bottom. It was fifty-three to forty-seven uh, percent. Okay. Okay. Fairly close. Yes. At least it was close. And then uh, Vertigo beat Annie Hall, uh, sixty-six to thirty-four percent. What was Shining versus Eternal Sunshine? Eternal Sunshine. Yeah, is that first round or second? Second, second round, round, very bottom. Very bottom, second round. It was fifty-one to forty-nine oh. percent. <laughs> oh man, that's really close. Yeah, maybe I should have voted. See, you might have been the deciding vote. So Rogers in the lead. Uh, the points go up each round. So there could be some interesting things coming up. But what movie did you pick overall? I took Wizard of Oz. So I'm already out of the running for the. I'm Godfather Two. You're still in the running, which is I think probably Citizen Kane. That might be the greatest movie of ever of all two. You're still in the running. I am yeah. still in the running, but I know you had Wizard of Oz taking it down. I had Citizen Kane versus Wizard of Oz in my final. I had Raiders of the Lost Ark versus Wizard of Oz. I'm old school Casablanca versus Godfather 2. Okay. So we'll we'll update again next week. Will Roger maintain the lead? or I think we'll, it's going to go back and forward if I had to pick. So we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Me and Adam are in a bad spot. Yes. Yes, we are. We're crippled, <laughs> we're crippled down south. <laughs> yes, we are. Because <laughs> we both had Wizard going to the championship. So, could be issues. At least as of right now, my actual March Madness basketball bracket is doing better than my film bracket. So. <laughs> and we'll have to declare the punishment later for losing this cha- challenge. Oh, punishments. Speaking of that, I heard Roger's finally decided on a punishment. Yeah. We can decide when we do that. We'll do it in their closing for the episode. Oh, we're going to have a little casting of the lots, a little Urim and Thummim. We're going to go old school. I found two potentially horrific movies, and I'm going to make you choose your fate. <laughs> that are that are currently like in theaters? Yes. 
All right. I'm going to make you choose your fate on the podcast right here. It's going to be down to two. Okay, cool. All right, stay tuned for the end and see what Roger inflicts upon us. I think is so movie homework next, right? Yep, movie homework. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to The Film Coterie. And we're back for our movie homework assignment. And last week we ended with Roger on Donnie Darko. So I'm going to start with Roger this time. I gave you a movie called In Bruges. What did you think of this movie? I'm curious about your take. So I'm going to say this right from the front. Uh, I like this movie a lot. And I was blown away. I've never seen a movie. And this is... This is saying a lot. I've never seen a movie that has such sweeping emotions to where I was laughing out loud at times. And then in a moment's turn, Colin Farrell is like, or Colin, yeah, yeah, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell, he's like shedding tears and distraught over what has happened. Holy mackerel, what a movie. Yeah. Uh, uh, just blew me out of the wall. I mean, very rarely do I watch a movie and it just blows me away. And in Bruges blew me away. The older guy, um, the older Brendan Gleeson. <sighs> he is glorious in this movie. Here's what I've always said about in Bruges. I saw it in theaters cause I couldn't wait to see it. It, it came to Columbus. Just really limited run. It's Colin Farrell's best movie uh, by, a huge margin. And his best performance in anything. Absolutely. It's one of Brendan Gleeson's best performances. Absolutely. And this movie, I don't I've never done an all time top ten, top twenty, whatever, but this is one of my top movies of all time. I love this movie so I, much. I, I, I I'm I'm seriously thinking it should probably go in like my top as well too. But I I'd honestly when and we can do all spoilers because it's been out a couple years, right? I mean Yeah. Yeah, this one's already. Yeah, yeah. So so like when you see, when it cuts back to showing these two assassins, two assassins on the run in Bruges in the, in the country of Belgium. They're laying low. They're laying low for 10 days till they get a new assignment. Oh, and their boss. Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes is great. Oh, so good. This movie is so good. I'm, I'll end up buying this movie and owning it. But it's like when they go back and show what has caused – because when you first see Colin Colin's character, you just think he's some young punk that just like can't appreciate what the older, wiser Gleason. I mean, you're in you're in you're in a beautiful city, and it is beautiful. It's shot gorgeous, you know. In Bruges, they hate it. That's the funny. They're in this picturesque <laughs> European city, and they absolutely hate being there. And, and it's like wow. And then when it flashes back, and you see what he did. When he when he did his last or the assassination before that or I, I don't know if it was the last one he did yeah it happened yeah. right before right so and you see what happened after you know the, the fallout of that then you go back to Colin and you see him wrestling oh, man 
hit his son. And then he turns right around, and it's like drop dead funny when the when the the dwarf them they all get high and stoned and and they're arguing over racism and stuff, and, and it's just hilarious. I. I don't know. I, I just really, ah, uh, yeah. That's the reason we do this movie homework for me to get these kind of gems where you're like, man, this is such a. Because my wife's asking me, so what's this movie about? And I'm like, honey, I can't. Uh, if I explained it to you, it'd sound crazy. You know, two assassins that, you know, uh, on the run, and this is what they did. Yet your heart breaks for the character that did the most heinous thing. You know. And there still must be something wrong with me because I keep assigning you these movies that have grief at their core. <laughs> It's, and uh, from Manchester to see to this, Adam, there's a line Adam, running through these movies Adam, I'm giving you. I'm learning a lot about you, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> but let's talk about the depth of this movie. There's really great subtext here because this is a purgatory movie. Yeah. I figured you'd catch on to that. Oh, that absolutely. They're stuck here. And, and they're waiting for judgment. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, and poor guy, Colin, he can't catch a break. He thinks he's going to hook up with the girl. He's all excited. There's going to be a moment of pleasure in his life. And she's conning him, you know? And it's <laughs> then the dude, when he takes that gun out and shoots him and it's a blank, he realizes it's a blank. But because he's an assassin, he knows how to effectively use a blank gun to dismember you, you know? And uh, so... So good. Excellent movie. I highly, it would be a total recommend for me. I just thought it was great. Um, loved the characters, loved the city, loved the uh, the way it was shot. I loved the, the way they mixed levity and humor with such a dark subject matter and the grief that he's feeling. And there, that one scene when, when Gleason goes to kill him to in take the park. in the park, and you just see the back of Colin's head and. He, he takes the gun up to shoot himself, and then something clicks. And that you see it on Gleason's face. You see him tangibly transform like that. And it's like he cannot do it. He stops him. And, it, and then it, from that moment on, he sees that that boy has redemption, that there's redemption available for him, and he will die literally trying to redeem this boy. Great film. The best one you've recommended to me on this movie homework. Loved in Bruce. So anyway, yes. Glad you liked it. And I, I forced this movie on everybody I see. If they've not seen in Bruges, I leap on the table and say, you must see in Bruges. Matt can attest. <laughs> what, what? I forced this movie on pretty much everyone I know. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I watched it and had the same reaction that Roger had. I thought it was great, outstanding. For anyone that thinks Colin Farrell can't act because it's some crazy. of the roles he takes, you need to go see M. Bruges. Oh, absolutely. And for anyone that doesn't know Gleason, there's no better introduction you need than M. Bruges. And then you can go out and watch a lot of his movies because he's he's stellar in a lot of things he's that he does. Great. But this he is, really is great. But this is a really, really good movie. Yeah, absolutely. But it, I mean... It's classified as what a British black comedy is what they yeah, would refer to it flick. as. Yeah. But, I mean, so Roger's right. There's comedic elements. There's there's huge swings in this. Oh, huge. And right, just, because imagine if you were in this position of waiting for this determination, sometimes the stress is going to get to you where it's you're sad, 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 and sometimes you just have to laugh about it, what's going on, and then... Well, well and, and Ray Fine's character, which is their boss... He brings such a levity. I, I, I kept hearing that voice on the phone thinking, I know that voice. 
And then when I saw him, I'm like, oh, yeah, of course it makes sense, you know. But it's like, you know, uh, send him down the road, you know. He's talking to him on the phone. He's like, send him out. I want to talk to you. And I was like, okay. You know, and he's like, is he out? Okay. Well, did you go check? He could be standing by the door, you know. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, go check. Go go open the door. Are you opening the door? You know, and it's like, I'm just, I'm just, just dying laughing right at some of this interaction the way and then you know just the dialogue between these and kind of their honor code system and you know uh how when gleason didn't give a glowing report about imbruge in the very beginning but ralph fines just went on and on and on about it so he changes his whole story to make his boss happy and yeah it's just just great i i highly recommend it okay uh next i'll cover my movie so matt gave me valhalla rising Sorry. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, it's a movie by Nicholas Vending Ruffin, uh, the director of Drive, Neon Demon, and Only God Forgives. This is one of his... It's in English, but it's one of his foreign films. Yes. It's uh, it's kind of a Viking movie. <sighs> I mean, it is... Yeah, I mean, it's a Viking movie. I mean, there's a Viking in it. There's Nordic Christians. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a Viking movie, I would say. Yeah, so this is a strange movie. <laughs> Surprise! And it, I mean, it's hard to even talk about it because it, let me see, it feels like a Terrence Malick film, it, if you're it, familiar. It looks better than it is. Yeah, and it's empty. It is. Terrence Malick films look great, and he may be trying to put something depthful or meaningful in them, but they're just I can't either. They're soulless and empty. I think this film would have been a lot better if he'd have continued the story from the first part of the film. All right. So when the film opens, Mads Mikkelsen, who I like, is a Viking warrior named One-Eye, who's a mute. He doesn't talk in this movie. Yes, he does not. No. It's a completely physical performance by Mads. And he's chained up to a pole in the ground where he's made to fight challenger after challenger in some kind of outdoor pit battle. Yes. From there, he kills his captives, and he joins a band of Christians that are going to find the Holy Land. And he teams up with, like, a little kid. And a little boy follows Yeah. Him. From there, they end up in the New World, and they it turns into a field in England. The Ben Wheatley <laughs> movie. If you're familiar, you're going to see it, because they just wander in the woods, and they roll around on the ground for I mean, 15, I mean, 20 minutes. And it's even, I mean, the boat ride there with the oh, cloud and the mist. The and- boat ride. They're in a glorified canoe, and it's just covered in mist and they're in there for weeks but this is not a terrence malick film it is not okay it's not no like i said i mean the story of him as a pit fighter and killing his captors and then if they had continued that kind of storyline instead of him trying to escape to the new world yeah i i went in cold so i didn't read anything about this i i didn't see a trailer i just watched it when it opened i thought this was going to be a revenge movie yeah, yeah. That's we don't know how he lost his eye, or if he has a family out there, or what. He's a captive. This is nowhere near a revenge movie. We don't learn anything about One Eye. He's not out for revenge. It's like I said. It just feels like Malik. It's just so empty. And yeah. I was shocked to see this movie cost five million dollars because there's no sets. It was all filmed outdoors over ten weeks, and it's that kind of baffles me too. Why it took so long to film? Because but there's it, really just three set pieces, and it and it's beautiful. I think at least the, the no, outdoor, it looks good. It yeah, does look good. It looks good, but uh, it's vapid. I mean, there's just nothing. There's no meat at the end. 
There's no payout. There's nothing from about as, as soon as he teams up to go to the new world. It's the movie's done. And the thing they, they waste Matt's here because it's a completely physical performance. He doesn't talk. He doesn't do anything interesting with his performance. He just stares at people. And he fights, but there's no real great moment for him or anything else to kind of showcase any just acting with his eyes or anything else. He just sits around and stares at people. It could have been anybody. I agree. I I think it was a waste. Like I said, I'm I'm sorry I gave it to you. I'm actually glad you did because for ref and films, I run hot and cold on them. And I look back over his filmography, it's every other movie. So he did this. No, he did. Let me get the order right. Well, it's just look it up. Bronson was before this. Yes. And I like Bronson. Ruffin, if I'm correct, did not go to film school. So a lot of his film education came from watching other movies. Bronson feels like Guy Ritchie. It's kind of manic and energetic and some weird stuff. It, it does have some weird stuff. Uh, I mean, I don't know if Guy Ritchie would have had Bronson... Would have had would have had Tom Hardy stare at a camera for half a movie though, and just talk. No, uh, but I mean, outside of that, it, it had the kind of energy of a Guy Ritchie movie. Yeah, and then this felt like Terrence Malick. Yeah, so I think he's kind of emulating some guys. And then, but I've got to be honest, I, I've never understood a single Terrence Malick. He must be just way too smart for me. Maybe because I can't figure out. I know the dude's Harvard graduate, Rhodes Scholar, philosophy major, all this stuff. I just, for the life of me, cannot figure that dude out. I like Terrence Malick movies. I mean, I watch him. I'm going to see his new one, Song to Song. Not me. I, I'm but not I don't usually ever watch him again. Oh. I see him once. I'm like, oh, that was Terrence Malick. Yeah, that's about how I feel with Terrence The Thin Malick. Red Line was the only movie I just about walked out of the theater I was so bored with. I just didn't get it. I just, I don't know. But then Refn hits the U.S. and makes Drive, which I loved. Then he turns around and makes Only God Forgives, which I hated. And then last year he gave us Neon Demon, which I loved. So, I mean, that's interesting. I have a director that I can run that hot and cold on because usually the directors I (laughs) like, I like consistently. Yeah. But he hits both ends of the spectrum for me. So Valhalla Rising falls into the only God forgives category of (laughs) Ruffin where I just, why? Why did you make this movie? I don't think he even liked the story. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, it's hard because me and you, I don't have a genre that I like that you don't watch. Whereas Rod, so it's hard for me to find movies you haven't seen. And when there's a ref movie that you haven't seen, I know you run hot and cold on them. I've seen it. So you get it, you know, but you know, when I watched the movie, I had pretty much the same impression. I think it looks nice. Not a lot of story there. Really wish they would have made it. I know it's cliche to do revenge movies, but you have Mads. He could pull this off. But you, he didn't. Well, they don't go any angle. I mean, maybe no. it's a redemption movie where he's going to start a life with the boy and, and raise him to be a warrior or not a warrior. But that doesn't happen. No. There's, no. There's no real path chosen. It just kind of wanders to the end and finishes. It collapses at the finish line, literally. <laughs> That's what this movie does. Wow. No real I, aim. I mean, the only thing you can say is he sacrificed because the... Because it's been a while since I've watched. So, boy, he lives at the end. Yes. Maybe. Right. right. Well, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of implied that yeah. the tribe may take him in. And he kind of sacrificed himself saving this boy. and But that's about 
I mean, and that's stretching it. That's about as far as you can get with some kind of resolution to the end of this thing. Yeah. And if you like, you know, 15 minutes of people on boats in fog. <laughs> I think they just filmed at the dock and just threw up the fog sure, so you couldn't see not? everything else. It was kind of like, man, this runtime's a little short. We need to lengthen this thing out because it's only 92 minutes. Yeah. Anyway. And it feels long. Oh, boy, does it feel long. <laughs> wow, that's funny. So with Ruffin, I'm going to tell you guys, check out Drive, first and foremost. That's his most commercial movie ever. And, and it's a good movie. Don't, don't, don't hear commercial and go, oh, No, no. It's, it's, it's a movie for the mainstream, for Ruffin. And yeah. it's, it's a good movie. I like Drive a lot. The other one I really like is Neon Demon, and that is not a mainstream movie. He takes some interesting choices there, and I love that he went off the rails for Neon Demon and did not make a traditional film. Uh, yeah. So. Unfortunately, Refn is not. I've not seen any of his films, so okay. it's not in my. Start warehouse. with Drive. Okay, cool. Yes, Drive is great. All right, and then we are down to Matt for your movie. Now I have to preface this assignment for Matt. Okay, this is the David Lynch film. This is another one of those dudes that I usually like his movies, but I half the time have no clue what I just watched. But for some reason, I really like it. I really like Mulholland Drive. I like movies about Hollywood, okay? I, I'm just attracted to movies that do movies about Hollywood. But I got—I picked this movie for Matt because he's a little smarter than me, and I was hoping he could probably tell me what the heck this movie is all about. I don't even care whether he liked it or not. <laughs> well, I, here's 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 the thing with this movie, and I talked to Adam a little bit about it. I mean, you're talking about a movie that no one knows what it's about, for the most part. Not even the cast. <laughs> Not even the cast. And Lynch won't talk about it. Well, Lynch, on the DVD, put out 10 clues to pay attention to. Oh, my gosh. It's like, check out the ashtray, the red lamp. Uh, and there's a list of 10 things he specifically says in there to pay attention to. Okay. Two clues are given before in the title sequence. So, <laughs> I've I seen mean, it three times. I saw it twice when it when it first came out, and then I thought I'd like to sign that to Matt because I still, after twenty years or how many years it's been, seventeen years or whatever, I still can't figure out that movie. So, so I, I, I'd like at least your best guess as to what you think is going on in this movie. You mean like deeper seated or just general overview of what's happening? Yes, I mean, is, is I think it. I think the beginning of the movie is the last thoughts that goes through her mind before she kills herself. Wow, it's okay. what what could have been but wasn't. But here's my right because for those of you that haven't seen Mulholland Drive, so the Betty character, the, the perky so little Betty, blonde, is her imagination of her better of how self. of how Hollywood would have been if think you know what everyone's view of. You know, small town girl wins. What you win? And Rita, jitter, Rita is contest the, is Rita the reality, or is 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 Diane the reality of what Diane it, is, is? What the, she really is, she, which is she, an addict and well, which was down a, her luck, which and, was I think someone that had those big dreams that went to Hollywood and just and bottomed failed. out because and because, didn't make it. Everyone else made it, and she started blaming everyone else. Now you would agree that. The real fancy, nice apartment that's her aunt's in the beginning is the same rundown apartment, right? That's the same built room she's in. 
Or is that different? Because I th- I thought that was a clue. Well, see, I would too. I would have to I would have to watch okay. it again, right? Yeah. Because I didn't. Because granted, I am coming in off of a single oh, watch man. on a Lynch film. But just for reference, here's Lynch's statements about the clues to this movie. First, pay particular attention to the beginning of the film. At least two clues are revealed before the credits. Okay. Second, notice appearances of the red lamp shape. Three. Can you hear the title of the film that Adam Kesher is auditioning actresses for? Is it mentioned again? Four, an accident is a terrible event. Notice the location of the accident. Five, who gives a key and why? Six, notice the robe, the ashtray, and the coffee cup. Seven, what is felt, realized, and gathered at the club Silencio? Eight, did talent alone help Camilla? Nine, note the occurrences surrounding the man behind Winkies. And ten, where is Aunt Ruth? <laughs> and, my, and, my mind and is the, blown. So those are those are <laughs> those are Lynch's own like guideposts to try to figure the movie out. I've not seen the movie in a very long time. And I didn't rewatch it. I actually thought about it. I just didn't have time this week. Lynch has worked in Dream Logic since Eraserhead. Eraserhead's a nightmare caught on film. Yes. Twin Peaks has a lot of dream logic in it. So my takeaway from Mulholland <laughs> Drive is I always thought that Naomi Watts' character was dreaming for the first part of the movie and that she's really the other character, Diane or whatever, at the end. Okay. Because that, that was my take, too. Yeah, that's uh, and that is what a lot of people think, right? There have been two papers published on this film. Because in Lynch's other works, okay. he always gives clues to the fact that you're in a dream state. They've analyzed the Mulholland Drive. The pillow. There's only Closing two, in on the pillow. Listen, there's only... I, you're absolutely right. But there's only two instances in Mulholland Drive that you could possibly be in a dream state. Whereas Lynch, traditionally, when he goes after a dream state, does a lot more than that. Okay. So, And this is all after the fact watching. I like to think of it as... This is what things would have been, or I mean, because even the, now, right, hold on, let's let's back up because we. Okay, have, we have, I'm sorry, we, we, have, we, we jumped we, way we, in. We jumped off the diving board into I'm the sorry. deep end without even describing this. So essentially, uh, the movie is about uh, Betty, right? So this movie has Justin Theroux in it, Naomi Watts, uh, Laura Herring. Who I uh, thought Naomi Watts was great in this movie. I, I just this was like her first big break thing i didn't know do you know how lynch does his casting lynch will literally just look at pictures of people and when he gets a good feeling about them in his film he casts them that sounds about right for lynch <laughs> it does. That, that dude is out there man they don't do they don't do any readings there's nothing like that it's if lynch sees you and feels right by your picture you're in i might have guessed maybe they go out for coffee and donuts but no Nomi Watts said she came in and had a conversation with him and it went horribly and she still was in because he had a good feeling based off of her headshot. So to me, that's great. Wow. Um, No, Naomi Watts, I thought was great. So anyway, she plays Betty. She's won this local jitterbug contest, whatever, and she's going to LA to make it big. And her aunt Ruth is up making movies in Canada which is like Hollywood slang for their dead. Uh, okay. Right. Well, that all seemed kind of dream sequency to me. But anyway. Right. So she goes in, goes in the apartment, 
and there's someone there with amnesia. So, and that gets me to the whole Rita Camilla. Is Rita a real person or a personification of her thinking? I I think it's because there's subtle clues of there's subtle clues she puts on the blonde wig and looks just like her for a little bit, and then it's like, well, the blonde was in earlier, and then the brunette came in today. And I got this sense that that they're the same person, kind of, but I don't, I don't know. See, that's where it, it gets completely crazy. But anyway, so <laughs> it's about Betty. She's making her way in. She's trying to get into the to the movie business, uh, but at the same time, she's also trying to help Rita, who was in this bad car accident, to remember who she is and what's going on because she has amnesia. And that's where they go in and start um, trying to unravel this mystery that is Rita. Yeah. And they come across dead bodies in the apartment of this lady no, called... That's, that's a whole weird, trippy thing, too. Diane Selwyn, who you later... So the movie goes on. You come across the dead body of Diana Selwyn. And then they go to this club called Silencio, which is very... I mean... The Silencio scene is totally reminiscent of um, the Red Lodge scenes in Twin Peaks because you know it has some significance there. There's weird stuff happening. And the Club Silencio is everything is pre-recorded. So everyone is acting to this pre-recorded tape, which is performance in and of itself because they have this hidden timing that's going on. Yes. and Which is a whole commentary on what's going on in the film. Right. Because the guy sitting there screaming at them in multiple languages, nothing is real. It's all an illusion. Nothing is real. It's already been... It's on tape. It's already been done. Right? So you have this very Lynch moment. In Club Silencio. And then there's this realization that there's a blue box and a blue key. And then when Betty, Naomi Watts' character, inserts key into lock and opens that blue box, it drops to the floor. And then the film changes. Like it's that moment you look up and realize that Naomi Watts is Diane Selwyn, the woman they found dead. Yes. Rita, the amnesic person, is now her girlfriend, Camilla. Camilla, And she watches Camilla run off with the director, Justin Thoreau, that's been in the movie, whose wife's cheating on him with Billy Ray Cyrus. Or is playing the pool boy. Um, It is... So after I was done... I mean that's my that's how I like to think of it, and I think that's I'm not saying that's how Lynch meant it to be that's interpreted. A pretty but good I, but synopsis, I think, but yes. I think, but I think like my take on it and your take on it and Adam's take on it is what Lynch is going for in this kind yeah. of film. Yeah, he is. I don't think he even wants people to pin it down. I don't think he ever wants to give it away. And when I was after I got done, I went out and read read uh, a lot of reviews for this to try to, you know, cause I was like, Oh my goodness, what's going on? How I don't have time to watch this over and over again this week. Yeah. yeah but it's a film I want to revisit definitely. But I came across Ebert's 
review of this movie and essentially said he's like there's something going on here and i don't want to know i just want to leave it alone and enjoy it because the movie is good yeah it's good the performance in it are great but it will it will you know stick fingers in your ear mush up your brains and then pull them out through like a straw with umbrellas and whatever let's talk too this is an accidental movie this was a pilot yeah, for a it was, show. It was a pilot for a TV show. Series. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a pilot for a series because it was after Twin Peaks. It was a pilot for a series and the network went, no friend. <laughs> and and nothing happened with it for a while. And then he got up one night and wrote all the remainder parts to make this a feature film. Yeah. Accidental movie, literally. Yeah. And, and made this. Wow. And I mean, it is... You know, I don't think a Lynch film's ever going to do good at a box office. It actually made money. But I don't think that's what Lynch films are meant to do, if you've ever seen a Lynch film. Uh, I, I liked it. I liked the weird... I like the weirdness of a Lynch film, the fact that there's more going on behind the scenes that I may never actually know. Wow. So, if you're looking for a definitive answer from me, no. Did I like the movie? I love the movie. I'll watch it again and again and probably have a different opinion on what's going on in the movie after five watchings and it still not be what Lynch was actually thinking when he wrote it. And I think that's fine because it's a good movie. So, now, the only two films I've ever seen are Elephant Man and Mulholland Drive. Those are two diametrically opposed Lynch I films. would never would have said it's the same guy directed those two films. No, because Lynch, I mean, because Elephant Man is coherent. So, so when, but I see here on IMDb, we've got Twin Peaks and Blue Velvet. Yes. How do those compare? Are those his other two well-known films? Well, Twin Peaks is a film. That's TV. Well, Fire Walk With Me was a movie. Yeah, Fire Walk With Me was a movie. It was a prequel to Twin Peaks. But he did Twin Peaks, which had two seasons, a shortened first season. He's not done a lot of movies. No. I mean, no. Eraserhead. Mulholland Drive and Eraserhead are his most well known. Yeah. yeah. I, I just so. And they are all kind of weird like this or are different. And they're all weird. I mean, Elephant yeah. Man might be his most straightforward. I think it is. Blue Velvet. If you haven't seen Blue Velvet, you should probably watch Blue Velvet. Yeah. Dennis great. Hopper is great. Okay. Um, but, you know, I mean, Lynch, he's an acquired taste. It's not like you're going to pick up a racer head and go, oh, that was great. Well, it's weird. When I saw his picture on IMD, I said, well, that dude's British. That's why he's so weird. And he's like born and raised in the heart of America. He's an Eagle Scout friend. <laughs> I know. David Lynch was an Eagle Scout. Wow, that just blows me away. Yeah, so, um, no, I liked it. I had never seen it. I, I don't know. I think I had never gotten into it because it was about Hollywood because, I, I don't know. I, I just yeah. kind of steered away from it, but I'm glad you gave it to me. Glad I watched it. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Awesome. All right, time for new assignments. So, Matt, you went last. You get a pick first. All right, so I have to give to Roger this week. So, Roger, I know you're good at picking up on themes first time through watching. Okay. So here's a movie that will has a lot of themes going on in it. Okay. Um, so it's by one of my – when I saw that this – 
it falls in the line of like Darko, right? When I saw this, I was like, huh, because I didn't see it till later, till after Darko came out. When I started trying to devour movies, and I really like Darko a lot off, that were offbeat. So the movie I have for you is Pi, directed by Darren Aronofsky, and you wrote Pi is in Pi P I. Or is in the symbol pi? Pi is in the symbol pi. If you look for it, it's under P-I. Gotcha. I have seen it somewhere on streaming. I can't remember where it is, but I think it's out there somewhere. Yep, I'll find it. Yep. Awesome. All right, Matt, for your movie, you have to go into this one cold. I don't believe you've seen it. I always go into these movies. Okay. I don't want to spoil it. I look everything after the fact. I always Perfect. watch them cold first up. Yeah, not even a trailer on this one. It's a remake. It's director remaking his own movie. It has Naomi Watts. Have you seen Funny Games? I have not seen Funny Games. All right. So Michael Haneke made this movie in 97. And then he remade it pretty much the same movie in 2007. Ten years later. Which one am I watching? The most recent one, 2007, Naomi Watts. Okay. And I don't think you're going to like this movie. And that's, that's kind of the point of the movie, too. So I'm curious to hear you say it. And see what you're going to have to say about this movie. Funny Fun- Games is a messed up movie. Funny Games? Funny Games. All right. I will watch it. I think this is the first time anyone's ever given a film. They're just like, I don't think you're going to like it. But is this payback for no. Valhalla Rising? No, this is a great movie to discuss. Okay. Okay. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited. I'll watch it. Especially after watching Naomi Watts and Mulholland Drive. Because she was excellent. I cannot describe to you enough. She was very good because she's an intense actress, I believe. And Dude. that was intense. Yes. When she does her audition. Oh, it was great. Unbelievable. I wanted to stand up and applaud like everyone in the room. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Roger, you're up. And for you, Adam, we're traveling way back in time to the year 1928 to a silent film. And... Uh, one of the last examples of the great German expressionism uh, that came out of the silent era, and it's a horror film. And I saw this in film class years ago, and it's the movie that was part of the inspiration for the character that you told me about, Joker, when I mentioned it to you. Yep. And it's 1928's The Man Who Laughs. Yeah, I've never seen this movie. I know about it. I knew it was the inspiration for the at least the Joker, the look of the Joker, but yep. I've never seen the movie. And it's very haunting. Um, it, imagine, well, I'm not going to say anything else. I just want you to see it and let me know what you think. Um, there's a couple pretty decent free prints that are available. I think, um, I know YouTube has it. Um, I know Amazon has it for rent for $2.99. The print, you'll be lucky to find a decent print just because it's 1928. Uh, I watched about... 20 minutes of it again today and i was like oh yeah i can't wait to see what adam thinks about this movie so anyway uh yeah the man who laughs 1928 and then let me jump back to funny games real quick it's not free on streaming but it's available to rent from itunes it's fun awesome uh, it's out there all right is that going to wrap it up for movie homework that wraps it up the new assignments are given we'll give our thoughts the next time we get together and that's movie homework and when we come back It's time to pay off the bet. Roger's going to inflict some torture on us. (laughs) You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. We'll be right back after the break.
Okay, and we are back. This is the Film Coterie Podcast, and this this is our last segment where we do coming attractions and what, what's coming up this week, what we have to look forward to. Um, but before we get into that, it's time to pay off a bet, and I have two movies in my hand, one in the left hand and one in the right hand, and Adam and Matt are going to make come to uh, an agreement on which hand they would like to see, and then I will, just like the Oscars and Best Picture, I will reveal on the podcast what the movie is. So, gentlemen, Is it going to be right the first time, like the Oscars? I hope oh. so. <laughs> well, either way, I'm going to win. So. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, gentlemen, would you like the movie in my left hand, or would you like the movie in my right hand? Now, I'm betting one of those is life. Oh, I'll go see life. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I don't know what the other one would be. Maybe Chips, maybe Power Rangers. I'd go see Power Rangers to see if Will you tell us what the other movie it? is after we no. pick it? We'll oh, yeah. Know. No, no, no. I will. Yeah, I'll tell you what the other one is. I'm left? picking his left hand. I, I Left hand. Let's go for it. What's in it? And that is the one I hoped you would have picked. Oh, no. Because it is, of course... The movie that we have been seeing trailers for <laughs> for six months. <laughs> life. It is the movie Life. Okay. So I got to be honest with you. That's not as horrible as I could no, have made this. No, no, no it's, it's not. Um, I mean, you know, you have Ryan Reynolds. Gyllenhaal. Gyllenhaal. Yep. Oh, space. Star- it alien be, creatures. It could be a glorious movie. Not with as much as they spent on advertising. There's no way. They're scared to death. So, no one's going to sit down for that movie. What was your other pick? Power Rangers. Oh, I nailed it. Yeah. Yep. So that would have been your two Either choices. Either one was not terrible. They're not. And, you know, I thought about, I could have made you go see something like Fifty Shades Darker or something really stupid and heinous. But I thought... Okay, what's what? What do I know will be in the theaters? What's coming out, and what do I think is both going to be bombs of movies? And that I want to hear you guys come and say terrible things about. I was actually where Great Wall was in one of those hands. Nah, I, I, I just couldn't inflict that much torture to you. Adam. I got to admit, though, if I had won, I don't think I would have been that kind. Yeah, I don't think I would have been either. You guys would have been seeing finish. Fifty Shades Darker, whatever it is. Oh God! Or Dog's us. Purpose. There would have been something. Oh, Dog's Purpose. Ro- Roger would have liked Dog's Purpose. I would have liked it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I probably would like that movie. So I, I can't send you something. I would he like. has a dog. He likes dogs. Exactly. Dogs have a purpose in life. So anyway, now that that's over with, uh, I think we'll we have something special for next week, Adam. Right? Or do, or do we know? Are we announcing anything yet? Uh, I have talked, and this is exciting to me. I had a chat with the Greasy Strangler himself, Mike, oh. Michael St. Michaels, and I got the interview. I got to clean it up a little bit with the audio, and I got to find a place to slot it in. I don't know that next week is the right fit, Okay, um, but we'll find a place for it. Are we here next week? We'll have to figure that out. All right. I just, we may or may not be around. Yeah. There's some traveling going on again by, by some of us here, and so... I know we won't be doing Thursday night next week. We may do an early edition, may record early release on Friday, but uh, anything else coming up this week? I am probably going to go check out the Belco experiment this week. And the horror movie set in the office looks like Uh, battle Royale meets office space. Now that would have been the punishment to make me go see that. (laughs) Yeah. If, uh, if it wasn't March madness weekend, I would definitely be there with you. Depending on showing times, I may be able to, 
depending on showing on showing times and family obligations, I would like to see it with you. But since I'm seeing it this weekend, I'll probably put some thoughts together for next week, no matter what. Okay. Anything else? Uh, you can find us on Facebook. We're facebook.com backslash the film coterie. Uh, we're on Twitter as yep. at film coterie. And we're, we're here every week. So yep. you can send us messages or anything you want. We're always looking for guest reviewers. Usually Friday, usually Friday around noon is when I get the podcast done. Yeah, it'll so be Friday morning. I try to do it enough to where if you get a chance to grab it, you can listen to it and uh, and check out our Thursday night movie if you you know heading out for the weekend. But yeah, cool. All right. Well, as always, thank you for listening. Stop on some cloud. The denying she's a funny guy.